Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com fool. It's Wednesday, July 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I know I'm tearing you away from the tennis, so I no, I, you're not. I've I, got it right in front of me. <laughs> Wimbledon is going on for those who are not big tennis fans. Uh, Andy Murray, defending champion. Andy Murray, yes, yeah, he's out. He went down in five sets today, so that, that's not a spoiler alert. England for me. is weeping, although uh, they've they've got John Akanta in the uh, women's semi okay. tomorrow. First time since '78, I think that uh, a British had woman has been British woman in the semifinal. Nice. Era Virginia Wade. I think we're done here. That's we going keep, to do it. For I today. could keep going. <laughs> we'll actually get we to the news. We haven't talked about court tennis yet. Uh, we're, <laughs> uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Uh, we are going to talk media. We got to start though with Harley Davidson, and shares are down a little bit because uh, Bernstein put out a note downgrading the stock, and the. I find this interesting because the stock drop today is not indicative of this report. The shares are down about last time I checked, which is maybe within the past hour, it was down a little over one percent. This report is not at all good for Harley Davidson shareholders. And among the highlights, it's all about demographics and how baby boomers, the baby boomer generation, has a lower propensity to ride motorcycles than Generation X or Y. And the the biggest finding for Bernstein was that, and I'm just going to quote here: younger millennials have shown dramatically lower interest in riding motorcycles. So I suppose that's one more thing we can blame millennials for. Is um, but did you have the same reaction to this report that I did? I mean, you know the company better than I do, but the 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 report was worse than what we're seeing with the stock today. Well, if your reaction was this is old news, this is what everybody has been talking about for years in the case of Harley, and whether it will be able to solve this problem, uh, then yes, my reaction was the same. Is that what your reaction? That was, was not my reaction. Oh, so you haven't been paying attention, but the market has been. The stock's already down fifteen percent over the last three months, and the last quarter. Uh, quarterly report highlighted many of these issues. So the the analyst isn't really breaking new ground here, but I think it's deeper ground. I mean, this is just the because we've talked on this podcast before about Harley Davidson and the aging demographic that they depend upon. This is the first thing I've seen, and again, I don't follow it as closely as you, which is why you're in the studio for stuff like this. Uh, but this is the first thing I've seen to really drill down, sort of going generation by generation. And I suppose if you're looking for a silver lining, it lies with Generation X and Generation Y. Well, I think it it highlights the fact that you're looking at a reasonably for a, the story is reasonably low ceiling, but a, a reasonably high floor. You've got a very very dedicated uh, consumer base for Harley. The people who buy Harley are. Uh, big fans, as we've pointed out here, and others have pointed out before us, there aren't that many companies where people get the company's logo tattooed onto them, right? In great numbers, and, and so Harley's got that, and it's got a place in America 
which is very secure, and and that's a positive and a negative. Uh, they they produce their motorcycles here, and their customers expect them to continue to do that, which gives them the inside track on a certain amount of um, you know patriotism, but and also makes it a very American thing abroad, which is attractive to a certain number of, of consumers. But they're produced here. And you can produce things, so I'm told, cheaper in other parts of the world. I've heard that at times uh, than here, and so Harley is kind of locked in to producing things which are very, um, which which are more costly to do so here, but create a more stable stable base. And you know, the the generation, as this report points out, and it's not the first to point out, but it, it I think probably does a better job than some of breaking down the exact numbers. Of what the challenge is for the company, and I think they have said in the past that they need to create two million new customers over the next few years. That seems high. It does seem high uh, for a company which has not really created new customers um, over the last ten years. Uh, they, their sales over the last twelve months are right where they were ten years ago. Yeah, that really seems high and ambitious. Yes. Do you think there is the the silver lining in terms of our generation and and the one right after ours? Which generation are we? Uh, I believe we're Generation X. Although you are older than I am, <laughs> are you technically a boomer? Are you part no, of the problem here? No, no, I here? just missed. I just missed that. Oh, okay. Thank God. Um, uh, is is that? Yeah, I mean, there there's always some hope that that is. So where they can make inroads are more women riders, and uh, international has been generally a bright spot for them, although that tends to come and go as the dollar moves around. Uh, and then the next generation is the biggest challenge. Uh, they've got the older baby boomer generation, which is helping to a degree uh, as, as they retire and choose to spend money on that. I don't think they're in the same uh, crosshairs for the autonomous vehicle experience that uh, you know other uh, car makers might be. So that's uh, not probably neither a challenge nor an opportunity to the same degree that it is for uh, the car makers. Let's move on to media. Senior executives at Time Incorporated recently met to discuss a potential rebranding of the company that could include changing the corporate name. Time Incorporated uh, has brands under the umbrella, including obviously Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated, People Magazine, Fortune. I suppose if there's good news here, look, this is a really well-known brand. This is a very established brand, and when I saw this headline, I just winced and and thought to myself, "Don't do that. Just don't do that." On the other hand, as we've talked about before, the bar is pretty low in terms of rebranding media properties. If you just look at recent history, which includes such winners as I know where you're going, Tronk. Oath and Quickster. I feel like the brain trust of Time Incorporated. If they're gonna if they're gonna attempt to rebrand, I feel like they can beat that. Although maybe not. Who knows? The I you know, it's gonna be tough to beat Trunk though. Well, there's a mismatch of the strength and quality of the brand with where their audience is and where they want to go. That is, you and I remember Time. Although, when's the last time you bought an issue? I actually have Time delivered to my home because I think it was one of those. Uh, you you have some airline miles that are going to expire. Would you like a free magazine? Would you like to trade them in for a magazine? And I said sure. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so you're the new subscriber. Yes, over the last decade. If by subscriber you mean I've traded in airline points, sure. Well, you could have traded them in for something else. Yeah, it was pretty slim pickings. <laughs> so, so it cleared a very low bar in your mind. Yes. All right. So, but we know what it is, and we know the greatness uh, that it uh, had in in American media in generations past, which it no longer really does. I would say the same about Sports Illustrated. I mean, those four brands as media properties, they. Like people, fortune, there is value there, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the uh, for the people at Time Incorporated, uh, the name Fortune Brands is already taken. Yeah, they want to go into online, you know, more of an online presence, but they've got a lot of positive names in, under the umbrella. Things which connote, I think, more um, hope than at Time, which is somewhat neutral. I think uh, between. Sports Illustrated, Travel and Leisure, Food and Wine, Fortune. I mean, these are all things that sound great, don't they? Yeah. I mean, let's pick from those. Time, I mean, is good and bad. You think they should just go with nothing more valuable than time, really? But also, you know, it's your enemy. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a whole existential thing for their brand. They just take it offline and go with something ridiculous like Tronk, and then people don't know what they're up to. Do you think they should just bag this idea altogether? Which idea? The idea of rebranding the corporate company. Because they're not talking about, well, we need to change the name of Sports Illustrated. Nobody's mm-hmm. that dumb, thankfully. There's people that dumb. <laughs> well, they, they don't appear to <laughs> occupy executive positions at Time Incorporated. But I, I don't know. I just sort of look at this and I think, you know what? If, if you're looking to reinvigorate your brands, I feel like they can do more harm than good with this one. Witness, Trunk, Oath, and Quickster. Uh, and yet they keep doing it, right? So, what evidence do we have other than mockery that this is hurting the companies? That that Tronk would be having uh, more sales uh, with the Tribune Media than as Tronk? Uh, no, I think because you're not one of the kids that they're aiming for. No, I'm not. They don't care about you and your money. No, you're not online. You're not that <laughs> that hip. Uh, I'm online. You don't I'm know just about not. watching videos online like the kids. Yeah, that's true. That's what they're that's what they're after. Somebody who's uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years younger than you. Again, I just think they are they are setting themselves up for a mistake here. All right. Well, we'll we'll see when they We'll have come to see how it plays out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, assuming anyone is still actually listening. Uh, @marketfoolery is our Twitter handle. Uh, question on Twitter from uh, @wallyzman. Uh, who included a link to a story and asked, "Do you think Best Buy is going the way of Sears because of this?" And the this referred to the link he included, which was a story on Recode about how Amazon is quietly putting together its own version of the Geek Squad. Um, and you and I went back and forth on this topic yesterday. Um, I almost look at this as two separate things because one of them is how do you think Best Buy is going to deal with Amazon putting together their own geek squad? And then separate from that is is Best Buy going the way of Sears? And to that second question, I would say a resounding no. Because I look at how Sears has been managed over the last five years with Eddie Lampert at the helm and how Best Buy has been managed over the last five years since Hubert Jolie took over. And Jolie has done, and his team, they have done an amazing turnaround job with Best Buy. If Eddie Lampert 
got put in the corner office of Best Buy five years ago instead of Jolie, I think Best Buy would be right where Sears is now, which is on death's door. And I think that, I mean, just look at the the you know the stock prices. So you're going ad hominem in your analysis of this. That it's the CEOs that that make the difference on this. Um, I I think if you're making up a list of uh, the last five years, why has Best Buy succeeded and why has Sears failed? Number one on that list for me is who's running the company, and shares of Sears are down nearly ninety percent in the last five years, whereas Best Buy is up almost one hundred fifty percent. Okay, but. I think more powerful than uh, the intellect uh, or abilities of the CEOs is our, you know, what is happening in the retail space and Amazon's effect on things. And so, I think that the same thing that's happening in Sears is happening to J.C. is happening to Macy's. These are, uh, you know, things which are no longer particularly needed, right? For a lot of people, well, I would say for for a lot of people, they are still needed, but um, it's a smaller number than used to be. Yeah, I think Best Buy mostly is in that category and may have superior management to stem the effect to a degree. But over the last ten years, uh, Best Buy hasn't grown sales. You know, it's got the same level of sales today that it had ten years ago, which is like hardly, uh, and it. it would that went up a little bit, but the sales are lower today than they were back in 2011 by about 20 percent, and they're making a little bit more money off those sales. They've, they've uh, but their you know earnings per share are basically the same ballpark as they were seven, eight, nine years ago. And what does the future look like? We were talking about this uh, the other day, yesterday. Uh, so I'll challenge you if you had to go with three. Retail brands, traditional retail. You had to buy them and hold them for the next ten years, Oof. and uh, you're not allowed to change them. Maybe they'll get bought out by somebody, so you can keep that money. But uh, it's a, all of your money has to go into these three. What, what would you go with? Wow, traditional retail. Traditional so, retail. So Amazon is not on this list. No, the way I'm defining it. Uh, see, if only I were a millennial, because if, see, I, if, the, I, if I were in my twenties, you're Amazon. not young enough to claim that Amazon is traditional retailing. <laughs> yeah, if you're really? young enough, you can. Um, boy, I would have to think about that, and that doesn't make for good audio. But no. I, I think I think Best Buy, because of the way it's been run, would be on the short. I'm going to let you return to this for okay. a future episode. And okay. Can, uh, what did you and the Brain Trust at Full Funds come up with? We had to play it safe. Okay. Uh, pretty much came out with Walmart. Costco and Home Depot. Okay. Things which have not yet been crushed. Home Depot is probably number one on that list, I think. Uh, I would in the prob- sense that it has not been crushed yet. Yeah. And it has performed the best over some relevant period of time. Of course, we're looking at it right now, although the housing market is, is very healthy. So it is not always going to look as good as it does today. But what I like about Home Depot is it's not opening up any more stores. So all the places whose Growth strategy revolves around opening more stores. I look at now uh, with great panic. You seem pretty calm for someone with great panic. Well, I'm. I'm <laughs> you don't have all your money in these stocks. I've got my coffee with me. Which we'll get back to. Which we will get back to in just a moment after we say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. 
Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. You can have the same level of confidence that Bill Barker has when he has a cup of coffee in his hands, because that's when he is at his most confident, his most zen. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so that you can mortgage confidently. And because it's online, you can you can actually do it on your phone or tablet. You can do it while you've got a cup of coffee in your other hand. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. The greatest possible news has come forth in the form of not one, but two coffee studies uh, and their effects on long-term health. And it is, uh, dare I say, nothing but great news, including this little nugget. Uh, the first study, which was the largest of its kind, um, looked at the correlation between coffee drinking and mortality among nearly half a million participants in 10 European countries. Um, and over, This is a 16-year study. This is not some fly-by-night study we're talking about here. This is incredibly comprehensive. Uh, researchers found that men who drank three or more cups of coffee per day lowered their risk of death by 18% compared uh, to those who didn't. So, three or more cups of coffee per day, you and I totally qualify for that. By nine o'clock, <laughs> lowered their risk of death by eighteen percent. Um, the second study, um, the, the, this to me is the icing on the cake. Uh, this was done in the United States. It found that over the same time frame, drinking one cup of coffee per day lowered the risk of death by twelve percent. Two or three cups lowered the risk by eighteen percent. So again, something that we have long. Suspected slash hoped for is now proven by science, which is the more coffee you drink, the closer you get to immortality. The greatest risk that you can take with your health is to not drink at least seven, eight cups of coffee a day. I think that's right. Because you look at those numbers and you just extend that out. I mean, they're only studying how much? Uh, I think they're going up to three. Right. Stands to reason that eight, ten more cups of coffee a day. Will just extend your life that much further. So if one cup goes twelve percent, and then two to three cups lower your risk by eighteen percent, I mean, you and I—it's diminishing returns, but they still keep improving. Right is my argument. Get to that fiftieth cup; it's not helping you that much, but a little bit. Uh, okay, serious question. At what point do you think? First time for everything. Exactly. At what point do you think coffee companies, Starbucks, Dunkin' Brands? Um, any publicly traded coffee entity, at what point do you think they start pushing studies like this in their advertising? I don't know. It's a bit like uh, Qantas, isn't it? You don't know where I'm going with that, do you? The, the Australian airline that um, that has had no crashes, is that it? That's right. Yeah, which I only know from the movie Rain Man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't they promote that? Because people think, oh, that streak's going to end at some point, and it'll probably be when I'm on the plane. Exactly, exactly. So the the reason they don't do that, I think, is because there could be a, a study. If they're if you're going to hang your hat on that, and some study comes out and you don't like, you know, the results, then you just people start pointing fingers at you. I th- I think it's good enough that the that there are no bad studies that I'm aware of, except if you've got high blood pressure. Um, or, or hypertension, and uh, and that it's addictive, and they don't need to overdo it. You know, if they start selling Starbucks as a health product, I think they're 
people are going to start pointing at the sugar stuff. Because no. they don't, it's not pristine in Starbucks' case. There's just too much sugar. Oh yeah, no, no, and the, and and that comes out in the article. Like, look, if anytime you're you're adding in sugar, cream, syrups, that sort of thing, that's gummy bears, gummy bears, um, whatever that unicorn frappuccino thing, whatever monstrosity was, Reese's pieces. Yeah, that's that's obviously going to affect your health in other ways. But I don't know. I, I I see what you're saying, and I agree with you that I don't think this is a mass market consumer message that Starbucks would ever put out there. But somewhere, maybe when they're selling to businesses, when you just have your bot uh, get that out there on on the on the Twitter stuff, you know, just some some account that you're vaguely associated with, the coffee industry. Uh, you know, you support them, and they 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 push it out. And but I don't think if you're Starbucks, you you put your own hat on that. Oh, okay. You have you have like what the coffee growers of the you know whatever association. You put it out through them. Yeah, I think that's right. That's probably a good move. Um, for anyone who is listening and wondering, hey, whatever happened to that episode uh, a couple weeks back when? Uh, you were casting the uh, the buddy cop movie with CEOs. Uh, here's what happened: We got such an overwhelming response from listeners uh, who emailed us and posted on Twitter and posted on Facebook. We're still compiling all of them. So we at a future episode later this month, I promise we will reveal winners because as as you do from time to time, you blithely offered up, uh, oh, this will be a contest and we'll give out prizes. Thought what happened is you went on vacation. That was part of why we're still going through the. Uh, but there were so there were a ton of responses and the, some of the ones that I saw were. You haven't shown me many. I mean, I've seen the ones on. Twitter and, and Facebook. I'm gonna hit. Uh, I'm gonna hit you all at once, and just and then we're gonna. Have, the then, stuff that gets emailed. Do you prefer that? That stuff gets emailed directly to you, or that it goes onto Twitter or Facebook or what? Any 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 way the listeners want to interact, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or emailing marketfooleryfool.com, it's all good. And anyone who did that qualifies for this contest. If anybody could turn it into some like uh, sort of a video, then they get two prizes. <laughs> Because we talked about that once, uh, having Wilford Brimley in as Tom Cruise uh, for uh, the Mission Impossible scene. Yes, and well, we somebody were... photoshopped and did a brilliant job, and now that's the uh, the Twitter. Picture, yeah, that's isn't that's it? that's the background on on the Market I mean, Twitter really account. Went above and beyond. It was a guy in Toronto who did that in like within a few hours of the episode being published. He listened to it, heard us talking about could Wilford Brimley play Tom Cruise's roles, and vice versa. And uh, and I made the point like, look, you don't want Wilford Brimley hanging off the side of an airplane, as Tom Cruise did in the last Mission Impossible movie. And boom, it was a it was a brilliant job. So if you've got the mad skills to put Jeff Bezos uh, into a like you know cop car along with whatever other CEO happens to pop in your mind right now, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. If someone wants to do a video of that, I you can just Photoshop two that. prizes, two prizes. <laughs> From Chris, you can read more very soon. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. You can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from the Fool Funds team. That's foolfunds.com. Sign up for declarations. It's great stuff, Bill Barker. Thank you for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.